Welcome to Lessons from the Helpful Dead, where you will learn that the world is not what it seems and you are much more than you think you are. Here you'll learn about positive and reassuring messages from supposedly dead people whose main purpose is to help us. Find out what happens after we die, why we're here, how we got here, where we're going, and discover that you are really a powerful, eternal spirit. I'm Dan McEnany. Today we'll talk about Joe Gallenberger's brother, Pete. Now, Joe is a clinical psychologist with over three decades of experience, and he's been associated with the Monroe Institute uh, since 1993 and has developed programs for them. He has also uh, written a number of books. Monroe Institute will be discussed in a future episode. Now, in his book, Brothers Forever, uh, Joe Gallenberger recounts the life of his brother Peter, to whom he was very close, and <clears throat> he, uh, his brother committed suicide while still a relatively young man. Now, the book is sensitively written with an obviously heartfelt message. And through the respected psychic Pam Hogan, Joe communicated on three separate occasions with his dead brother. It's interesting to see how his brother's perspective and experience changed from one stage to the next as he gradually healed from the results of the disappointing life he had experienced. It's another very convincing account of communication with an obviously surviving personality. Joe contacted Pam three days after his, uh, his brother Pete's death, and Pam was reluctant to focus on Pete's transition to death because she often feels the person's agitation and physical experience when she attempts to focus so soon after transition. But through her control Argo, she was given some information. I should mention that uh, a control is a spirit entity who facilitates communication between the, in this case, recently dead uh, person and those to whom he's communicating. At any rate, after a short initial period, period of uh, scattered energy right after his death, Pete apparently settled down quickly. He had a feeling of being in a very childlike, trusting sleep, finally having a deep feeling of safety about himself and where he was. Argo's communication included the following. He's been taken now to a resting place by a legion of angels to dissipate his weariness so that he can come to understand he does have endurance. He wants to contact you, Joe. He wants to plant seeds in your mind. He wants to work hard with you to effect some changes. He will be on the observation plane for a while. Communication can occur more easily later in a more relaxed manner after he has rested. And then Argo continued, Send thoughts of celebration at the new birthing of Peter. Send thoughts of death as warmth. Both these thoughts will add warmth to his resting sleep. Also, live your own life in a way that reflects coming into your own light and power. This will help teach him how things can go. Delay attempts at two-way communication if uh, for a few months. He's a weary man. Look for him on the observation plane. This is above the astral plane. They show Pete uh, later with a notebook, taking notes and learning rapidly. Learning by observing things on the physical plane. Here are some excerpts from a session with Pam three months later in November 1991. 
At this time, Pete is very willing to detach from what is here and from what was his darkness. It is very much a not wanting to be attached at this point to the physical plane so that he doesn't have to be reminded. They still show the pull and weeping of the physical. He has some unresolved issues about his problems. Pete is finished with the idea that he deserved sadness. He's come to believe his darkness was cleansed by his suffering in the physical. So he has seen within himself a certain amount of debt paid back. This does clear the way for easier learning. And for a reincarnation next time with gifts to give others. This is what the plan looks like that is unfolding now. He will come back to give back the generosities he has received. <clears throat> this man Pete wants no remorse over his passing, for he does not want more guilt showered on his life. He feels more remorse than anything and doesn't dare judge you or another. He is letting his guilt go. What he is amazed by is that nobody is judging him. He takes the word judgment and has a huge line drawn through it. No judging. No judgment because his message to you is his life was all about judging himself unfairly. Everything that you did made a difference right before his death to bring him to the point where he could start to learn love a bit. Now, Joe states in his book that this message was meant to help him see that suicide was not a great defeat for Pete, but rather a way for him to grow past issues that haunted him for lifetimes. In February, seven months after Pete's death, Pam's channeling included the following statements. Whenever your emotions get mixed up with the loss of Pete, your energy connects with old energy patterns of Pete's. Not Pete as a spirit now, but the remains of Pete's energies, which still hang around a bit, because the whole grieving process is not completed. They want you to see that they are separate things, that Pete's soul energy is way beyond the physical. Pete's soul energy is way beyond the idea of loss. As a matter of fact, they show him in a marching band. He's having the time of his life, okay? But his ego remnants are still clinging in the physical, and they tend to cling where the loss is felt the most. So you need to disconnect from any stress related to Pete's disease. And Pete's disease was refusal to allow himself success. Now, when Joe asked if the energy remnant had an intelligence attached to it, like a ghost, or just was it just a memory, Pam replied as follows. Ah, uh, it is like a ghost. That energy is very thick. It is not formed like a ghost, but if I were going to say that it is one or the other, I would say it is a ghost, not a memory. So we're talking about a literal energy that hangs around. Be not sad at your brother's death now, but happy at the letting go of the form of his life. For it is the dissolving of the energies of his personality which refused to let him alter his life plan. So the form of his unhappiness must and can be dissipated as each person is willing to release him. We pass no judgment on the suicidal notion of your brother Pete. But we must make it very clear that the horror of one's life is bound to energies, and unless they are forgiven and let go of, they travel wherever you are. 
This is the human term of hell. The passing of your brother from the physical was a blessing for him in that he could not escape from the harsh comma of his lifetime. Now, 11 months after Pete's death, just after Joe returned from a trip to Las Vegas, where he visited the spots at which he had last seen Pete and realized there was no trace of him there, Joe contacted Pam again and got the following. Pete's energy is watchful of you. He is growing and is freed up considerably to get more light. He's in a weakened state in that he doesn't have as much energy, and this has opened him so that the light can get in. He is suddenly being surrounded by more light as he too lets go a little. Now, by October of 1994, three years after Pete's death, Pam's input included the following. The soul of Pete is more buoyant. It has been freed up. It has a much more angelic quality. Now he is feeling more free to communicate with you. He has a new kind of consciousness. He is laughing. Now that you are more free of guilt and sadness, he can communicate directly with you. He is just getting out of his shell. He is staying very close to the third dimension. I think he will reincarnate. But this is the first taste of freedom that I have ever seen with him. He is totally enjoying. He looks almost cherubic. <laughs> he is uh, taking your hands off the plow. Higher consciousness does not get involved in work as he did, and it removes itself from the plow. Fundamentally, what he is saying is that things don't need to be so hard. Things just aren't that hard. It was just his earth consciousness that made him believe that it was. He is also saying he had a real chemical imbalance so that many of his mood shifts were unavoidable. When he gets even close to the energy of life, it is like getting short of breath, uh, the energy of the life he had. Uh, <clears throat> so this is how important it is to really release any connection to guilt and judgment. He feels very free now. He seems very clear about not drawing up another bad plan for a hard life. He knows that he does not have to draw up the same plan. He's starting to understand choice. He flies like an angel. He is funny. He is enjoying the lightness, the freedom of non-physical. Well, uh, Joe Gallenberger's book, Brothers Forever, is an especially interesting book, not just because it tracks the progress of one soul after death, but also because that soul committed suicide. Now, a lot of different and conflicting inputs have been put forth about what happens to suicides after death. When you look at all the evidence, it appears that suicides are just like everyone else. They're individuals, so that the death experience for one is not the same as it is for any other. It's logical, however, to suppose that since most of them have a lot of anxieties and unresolved issues, and many may have violent or difficult deaths, that they will normally have a tougher time adjusting and getting acclimated after they pass over. It is important to distinguish between suicides like Pete's, who shot himself while still an otherwise healthy middle-aged man, and sick elderly people who wish only to relieve themselves of pain and get past what has become for them a meaningless life. As noted, what one suicide experiences may not even remotely resemble the experience 
of another. In our next uh, session, we're going to look at a few people who uh, had psychic abilities uh, who were written about by Martin Ebon in his book, The Evidence of Life After Death. Again, I'm Dan McEnany, bringing you lessons from the helpful dead.